Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Ledyard and Trevor Sycamore from the Draft Network with you guys on a Monday after the first weekend of college football. But there's still one game tonight. Brian Burns show is tonight still. So we can't say it's over yet because it's not, and I personally am very here for it. But still a very good weekend, opening weekend of college football. And having, what, football five days in a row? I can get used to I think. I think it's the DeAndre Francois show, but I mean, you know, same thing. All right. I forgot. Same thing. Some people think that he's good. What are you going to do if James Blackman replaces him as a starter, like early in the season? You mean like tonight? (laughs) Not tonight. (laughs) It's not going to happen this year. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you and everyone else who's listening to this podcast clearly knows that my thoughts on Francois are I'm betting on him versus the other quarterback class that I'm not super high on. So. Yeah. I expect many positions that we did because you and I have actually talked about this. We've never really did this deep of a dive into never, a draft class right. this early on. Yeah. And so it's going to be really weird having our rankings as fluid as they're going to be. Right. At least for me, it's going to be the first time for me that it's going to be this fluid. Because yeah. I'm sure there are guys in my top 10 that are just going to suck. Right. So. I mean, I mean, there's guys, yeah, there's guys that are going to climb, guys that are going to fall. I mean, I was just thinking about this today because Tavares McFadden got cut, and he was CB one. I mean, at he the was, beginning of the year last year for some people, yeah, undisputed CB one for some people, top ten pick, top five pick for some people, and the dude didn't get drafted, and it wasn't because the character stuff. Like he just wasn't that good. Just wasn't good. And it's funny how like that and, and we talked and we had our reservations about him, you know, uh when back when he was getting the hype last summer. And uh I remember people commenting and you know, kinda listening to the podcast and saying, like, you guys will see like this season, like he'll show you, like and yeah, it did just you know, didn't happen. <laughs> I just because you're big, long, and go to a school that produces DBs doesn't necessarily gonna mean you're yeah. gonna be good. Right. You know? And I mean I said at the time, I was like, I don't think he's a first round guy. But I didn't think he was an undraftable, not even rosterable guy <laughs> like either. I'm sure you would have said day two at the time, right? I, probably, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. That's probably what I would have been thinking. Um, you know, and, and I think he was worse his final year, but it is funny. Things things change with added tape and more matchups and guys who figure you out a little bit more as a player and they know how to attack you. And then some of your weaknesses get exposed. So it's what why it's so important to me during this time of the year to get excited about guys when they play, but like always keep an open mind. Like I've really had to check myself even on players that I like have quote unquote crushes on this time of year, because I have to just be careful. Like I don't want to get caught up thinking that that player is what they are going to be when my evaluation is finalized in months from now. You know, I want to keep an open mind on that. And you don't want to be stubborn about it, right? No, there's a difference between there's a difference between being bullish say in like a final ranking that you come up with for a prospect right before they get drafted in May and being bullish on a preseason scouting with a full year of their last mm-hmm. tape. You know what I'm saying? Like there are guys who got cut in the NFL this week who I know you were high on or some guys I was high on that may yeah. have gotten cut or moved teams that, you know, in the back of our head, we're like, man, I still really liked, I, I really, I really like this dude. I still think if he gets to a different team, maybe he'll have a different kind of chance, but that's not really the case for us now, like for preseason dudes. Like you got to be totally open minded. And it started with this weekend, and there were a lot of yeah. uh, there were a lot of big performances this weekend. For sure, there were some guys that got on my radar this weekend that I did not 
necessarily see that happening. Um, or I didn't, you know, I mean, you always you keep an open mind, you watch the games, but when you've watched as many guys as we have and you've talked about as many guys as we have, at some point it feels like, okay, I don't. I wonder who's going to surprise me this year. I feel like I've covered mm-hmm. just about everybody, but it always happens. I wasn't, I was surprised it happened this earnestly, you know, this early on in the season. But to me, I mean, the Notre Dame defense, I just thought they were absolutely suffocating. And I didn't think it was just Tavon Coney uh, and Julian Love, although they both played well. Um, Jerry Tillery. Yeah, you like said Tillery was yeah, good. I didn't get was. to catch a lot of that game. I was watching some different ones that, that we were covering over the weekend. And so I didn't get to see that. But I saw Tillery's name pop up from a lot of different people that watched that game saying that he was really impressive. So, like, I know you had mentioned him a little bit before. I, I can't remember if Kyle and Joe brought him up as well. But, like, okay, so, like, what happened with him this weekend? That you, so, in that the you... past, he's had some issues. Yeah, he's got – got suspended for something. He, like, kicked a player, I think, like that in a game, and uh, he's had his issues, some character stuff. So wait, wait, a, wait. Like, yeah. he, he like just, he, like, kicked, like, he booted Like, him. hold on, hold on, like, drop, like, straight drop kicked him, like, left his feet, like, sweet chin music, Shawn Michael style, or? <laughs> I don't think it was, that'd like. that great. That'd be great. I don't think it was anything that, it was more like a frustration stomp type of deal, I think. It wasn't oh, as, okay. it wasn't as epic Albert as Haynes. what you're thinking. Yeah, it was more Albert Haynesworth, like just a dirty, you know, not not anything like you know two guys squaring off and then just a roundhouse kick. Like that would probably be dirty too, but I guess a little bit a stock, little bit more epic. Stop yeah. stock might be up for me. Yeah, I mean he's had his he's had his concerns in that way, but also he's not really been that good on the field, which is probably the bigger concern uh, for teams, you know, honestly, if you think about it from their perspective, I think that there's been tools there, but he's not really played to potential and effort's been a concern and he's run out of energy you know, in uh, inopportune times in games and really struggles to play consistently. And I still think he was a little hit or miss in this game, but it was just good against a quality opponent to see him come out. He looked like he was in great shape. Uh, he was really trimmed down. There's not much bad weight on that frame. He's got great length and and quickness uh, in space. Uh, he does play too high, and that will need to be worked on. But his hand usage looked improved to me, and you know he was probably one of the bigger. There was there was a couple other guys we'll get to later in the show. But he was probably one of the bigger surprises to me. And then I thought that both the Notre Dame linebackers, Drew Tranquil, is a tank man. That dude, he has some crazy closing speed, um, and I think he played great. And Asmar Bilal played great as well. Uh, versus the run he had a tackle for loss blew up another play uh would have had a sack if he could have finished it he he ripped under he's off ball linebacker pass rushing off the edge and ripped under the tackle and almost uh almost took down patterson and mm-hmm. um he he really he had a great game too so i mean i thought that all those guys the notre dame guys and you know who really stood out to me alohi gilman he's a safety who transferred from navy and you don't see that often first of all they raved about him. They're high character, great football player, great. Yeah, teammate. hold on, wait a sec. Tra- transferring from Navy, you're allowed yeah. to do that. You are, I guess. I, I, I don't know if it's. How I, is? Yeah. What? I don't know, I don't know how how's long. That a, how's it a thing? What? <laughs> hold yeah, on. I know. I know. I, I gotta know. know about this now. I know, and no. I looked up. I read an article about it, and it didn't say anything about like. It just said that he was granted his his his. This guy's getting out of his American duty. That's what I mean. I. It was. I thought the same thing as you. I was like, man, I don't remember seeing anything about a Navy transfer before. Like that, it took me by surprise. But you know, he he said and he was quoted in the article. He was just like, I just the more I was there and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the life of a naval officer wasn't something that I wanted. So um, mm. I mm. I guess there's some. There must be some way. I don't know. I don't know how it works. 
But um, yeah, so he uh, he started his first game for Notre Dame and was great. He broke up two passes, flying around versus the run, uh, aggressive kid, 5'10", I think only, but well-built, definitely mm-hmm. on my radar as a safety prospect now. Very excited to watch him moving forward this season. So that whole defense, man, they just... They stepped up. Uh, you know, it was a really impressive performance. Um, one of their defensive ends, can't remember his name, he had like two and a half sacks in the game. It was crazy. It was a good game. I don't want to take it away too much from Notre Dame's defense, but I heard that that Michigan team just was not good. Like, oh, they're bad. And it started, like, started with Shea Patterson. Like, just not it started good. with Jim Harbaugh, to be honest. Well, they looked unprepared. He's not a good college vanilla. coach. So. He's not. He's no. not. I mean, He's- I. I didn't I, I really said, ever I said have you, that. I said to you this but... weekend. I said, "What NFL teams he coaching next year?" You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no. I mean, to me, when I watched them, I was like, "This guy doesn't get it." Like, I mean, he's not using Shea Patterson. They, and the announcer said this, and they're absolutely right. You want to, you have to use him to his athleticism at all times. Like, he has to be a ball carrier for you. Like, you have to get him out on the edge. You have to like put him in situations. Yes. Tons yes. of RPOs. Like, you know. And they're just not doing that. You know, they're trying to use him as a traditional drop back guy. And they do, I mean, they get him out on boots, but the only time they had any success was off boots. You got to have more in your game. Like, it just, yeah, I mean, it was super vanilla. They didn't look well prepared. They didn't look confident. Um, It was just ugly, man. Michigan looked as lost as I think I've seen them really look. And it was, I mean, Michigan looked lost for three years. I agree. Yeah. And I think it was that. So that feeling that you felt watching them for the last three years. I felt like it was exacerbated in this game. Like, I just felt like massive stage, new season, new quarterback, the big name that you've all that you've been waiting for John Harbor or Jim Harbor to get his hands on that quarterback. And it was just this complete like air out of the balloon type of sensation watching them play. It was just like, nope, Hmm. nope, this isn't it. It's not working. It's not going to work. Lame. It's going to work. It's bad. You know who else was bad? Jake Browning, Washington quarterback just trash under pressure man i'm sorry but i just can't quarterbacks who are bad under pressure i just have a hard time he's just a little dude who yeah, can't like just who i don't know, you know man. i'm not trying to hate on the guy or anything jake just browning reality, you know? is gonna go down as obviously a really good pac-12 quarterback and washington fans seem to love him and he could put up a lot of points for him in you know, Pac-12 games and early games and whatever. And so he's going to have tons of stats by the time his college career is done. But like two years ago, people told me that Alabama had never faced a quarterback like Jake Browning. And <laughs> you know, when you think like, about some of the SEC quarterbacks, that might not be too far off. But it's okay. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe. But to you say it like there. he was a threat in some way, yeah. That's... But yeah, it just that. And I know, I know, not having Trey Adams hurt him. Um, like did. that was yeah. uh, obviously that was that was not ideal, but it was a game where Auburn didn't even play that well, and no, right. at no point did I think Washington was going to score more points than them. And Auburn, I mean, the game finished twenty-one to sixteen. At one point, it was like what thirteen to, to fifteen yeah. or something stupid. Yeah. Like a bait like a giant extra innings baseball score or whatever, but Auburn couldn't finish drives. Um I thought Stidham, you know, people were real excited because Stidham hit like his first seven or eight passes. Yeah, like two of those were tough, but I mean most of he them were he wasn't that good. Yeah, I mean he yeah, he was okay. But he again, was. when he settles and he's very much a rhythm passer, when he settles in early and there's no pressure and he's got his first read open, 
he's okay. Like he can be. If fun. you've got to, if you have to tell me when there's no pressure to preface a guy being good at quarterback, yep. I don't want to hear it. Right. It's exactly right, and it's the same issue with Browning. Although Browning's a lot worse. Um, Browning doesn't know, have quite the arm. No, so. right, no, no, no. And I don't even think Sarah's arm like, great. I, I mean, like, we've hated on him for a little bit now. I wonder if, like, because he messed up his shoulder two years ago, right? Browning? I think. Or maybe it was, uh, was I think he did have an injury. I don't know whether it was, like, Something happened messed with the, up as in the shoulder. Way, yeah. And I think, that, I think that Washington fans were using that as a crutch for a little bit, and it's like, I, maybe it, the shoulder just did. Maybe it was a bad shoulder injury. And I'm not mm. – the kid did not have a cannon before then. Don't right. get me wrong. I'm not right. trying to, like, make an excuse for him. But he just straight up did not have the arm to get it done. Can Washington run the table? Uh, Hold that question. I'm going to look at their schedule. I don't think they can. I, I mean, I know their schedule is not tough. I looked at it, but I don't know. Something just tells me they lose. They just didn't look tough to me. And I know we'll talk about this at the end of the show. Oregon at Oregon? I don't think they beat Oregon. Oh, wow. Right? You're, you're a big Ducks guy, huh? I mean, no. But <laughs> Better I, than I mean, like, I didn't even think Auburn was that good. Washington but... was what? Sixth going in that game? Ranked sixth? Preseason polls suck. Yeah, they're terrible. They suck. I don't Miami know how many teams are better than Washington, but. Miami was eight. Yeah. Pff, let's get to the... Are we going to talk about how that what that egg looked like? If Malik Rozier continues to start a quarterback for Miami as easy as their schedule is, they will take more L's. I don't even they're know. They're not that good. All right, yeah, let's talk about Miami now. Uh, they're, they're not, not that good. good. And Rozier might be a problem, He's but horrible. like He's horrible. they can't block. Nobody can block on that offensive line. I didn't even think protection was that bad, to be honest, in the first half. Like, the end of the first half, okay, but, like, the pick he threw? I mean, they blitzed, well, sure, but, like, I mean, he's yeah, accountable it's... for that last guy. That's the thing with Rogier. Like you see him under pressure sometimes, but, like, he's sometimes accountable for that, and he just doesn't process it. He doesn't see yeah. it pre-snap, and then post-snap, yeah. he's, like, deer in the headlights trying to run, and he's not that athletic. It's just, I don't know, man. Like It I, was bad. They're, Miami's in trouble, man. They're, they're definitely in trouble. And now they'd There's... be in more trouble if their schedule was tougher, but... The yeah, next I four games are like automatic wins. So are they? Yeah, I mean they're like Miami is very much, and this is the same thing last year. They're very much a momentum team because oh they gosh. lost. Yes. They lost those the that first and second game going into the bowl game or whatever, and mm-hmm. they were just like it wasn't the same Miami team. But they lost and, the pick game, and then they got just smashed by Clemson, right? And and you could see it. They lose the bowl even, game too. Yeah, they're zero and four in their last four games. Oh yeah. That's right. So Wisconsin, they lost the right? pit game to the, one of the worst pit teams I've seen. And that's Hail to pit. That's saying something. Hail they lost to, to a pit. horrible pit team. Then they lost and Pitt's like backup quarterback, I think, at that point. Awful loss. Not then Clemson Clemson. smacked them all around. And I know Miami hit injuries for the Clemson game, but Clemson smacked them all over the yard. And then they went in the bowl game and lost. I think it was Wisconsin they played. And you're right about them being a momentum team. You know why? high emotion football team and it yeah, shows on the field they make very, so many stupid mistakes and listen, so many listen momentum and high emotion very much a part of the college football game yes. very much a part of it you have to be able to ride the waves of emotion in college football as a successful team however it is your job as a head coach to not buy into it you have to be able to use it at your advantage but you have to, at the end of the day, 
when you go and you celebrate a big win with your team, you need to be able to close your office door, sit at your desk and go, we shouldn't have won that game. Yeah. And we're not going to, and we're not going to beat better teams if we play like that. And I mean that sincerely because in an age where recruiting for high schoolers is so much about fluff and yeah, we're the best. And, and just like all of this, these, these fantasies that you, that you build up for these recruits talking like trying to make your school even better than it is. You can't let yourself believe that if, if it's not true. And I think Miami was clearly a case as we're going into this year. Rick should have been able to, and you know, I guess it's kind of like a, well, what do you want him to do? It's not like the NFL where they got free agency and they could bring in anybody they want, but for Rozier to look as bad as he looked at the end of those three games last season, to look as bad as he looked tonight and them not even think about going to any different quarterback tells me Rick drank his own Kool-Aid. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think, I think that's a big problem in college. Football I, th- sometimes I think you're right. Just, I think you're right about college football. I don't, it's hard to say about Rick. You know, he's funny. You think about a team rolled by emotion and then him as their head coach, you wouldn't quite, you wouldn't quite put those two things together. He's very even field. Yeah. I think it's uh, control. You know, I mean, you have to, as a head coach, and I think that I see some of this with Pittsburgh, even with the Steelers, you know, is you have to, as a head coach, know that letting your players be who they are in personality and culture, those are all really important things of establishing and, and growing an organization. But at the same time, if football intelligence and, attention to detail aren't behind some of those things and this is where the the fusion of who Belichick is and who Tomlin is you know if we're taking NFL examples or who Nick Saban is and I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say Mark Richt I guess but in this situation who Miami looks like they are you know as a team and what Alabama is as a team Dabo that, does that really well too you, you know they're exactly right that fusion of consistently getting up for big games consistently playing at that level but not losing your attention to detail at all times, you know? So, and I think that's Miami is all, you know, that was such a big concern down the stretch last season. It was a huge concern. They had so many dumb let's, penalties and plays. Let's, yeah. And, let's talk about a couple of prospects in that game, just because I want to make sure that we hit on them. Sure. First off, I'm going to talk about Amon Richards and mainly where the hell was he that entire game? Because I don't know if he got hurt. Maybe he did. And like, we, I, I might read something here soon about some coming out, but he played in that first quarter. He had I mean, two passes thrown to him. One was that ball deep down the sideline that he refused to go up and get and be aggressive in high point, which is super disappointing. And then the other one was that kind of like diving catch for a first down that he had right over the middle that was just that slant. Mm-hmm. And I might have missed a play in between there, but the entire rest of the game, they were going to, who's that number four kid? Thomas, Jeff Thomas. Jeff Thomas and then Cager, basically the entire game. And I'm like, yep. where is Richards? Yep. Are you serious? What? Yeah. He was like standing on the sidelines. They showed him in the one shot. I don't remember. I looked, I tried to look on Twitter. I, nobody said anything about him being hurt. I hope he was hurt. I'm going to look right now. Because if not, then he, I, I don't know why they would have pulled him out for anything other than an attitude. And that's not good. That's not good. Because when I had, I had Mon Richards as my wide receiver two going into the season. And the reason why I have him as wide receiver two is not only because he has great athleticism, but I was hoping that this year, like he took charge. Like he was like, I'm the, like, I'm, this is my offense. I'm the man. I'm going to go high point every football. I'm going to beat, I'm going to outwill defenders 
for jump balls, like all this. Kind of, I'm gonna fight for extra yards, all that kind of stuff, and then added with the athleticism. That would have been an awesome wide receiver. And instead, boy, in that first game, did he shy away from what I, what I hoped that he was. And so, a little sketchy on that front. But uh said, Willis, a little better for me. Oh, my goodness. He was outstanding. I need to watch him as soon as possible. And I know there's not a lot of tape on him, so actually I say that, but there's not much to do because he played in a rotation, but he didn't really play that much last year. And he's had lots of off-field issues, former Gator great. Yeah, great we baby. were just looking this up. He shoved Jameis Winston. Why was all yeah, this? He wasn't even in the game. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Jameis runs out of bounds on the sideline. And, like, is clearly pulled up, and Willis just, like, unloads on him as he gets to the sideline. Booted him right out of there. I don't even know if the refs kicked him out or the coaches just took him right out, right out to the locker room. It was awesome. I think Florida kicked him out. They, Florida yeah, coaches sent him to the locker room. Hey, Gator, great, baby. He'll Anzalone always be remembered. Anzalone just staring in my at heart him for in that, that clip made me laugh. Like, Anzalone <laughs> just like, what are you doing, dude? Like I've spent my whole career oh. on this sideline because of injuries, and even I know <laughs> <laughs> he was he was he was disgracing the good sideline of Alex Angeloni. But he was disgracing it. If you guys haven't seen this play, you got just go just go on YouTube, type in Gerald Willis, Florida State. That's all you have to type in on YouTube, and then watch it. It's a little clip that shows up. That's funny. He was awesome though, and so I definitely want to get a look he at was. him. I thought Devin White looked much improved uh, as well. Uh, lots of rangy plays. Now Miami didn't run the ball that well, so we're going to have to see him in terms of process. He made a great play on a screen early in the game. Rashard Lawrence looked great against the run. Uh, he was not too big of an impact as a pa- impactful as a pass rusher in the. He just didn't have a very active game. Yeah, just yeah. Early in the game, they, un- the way, they I, left him unblocked twice. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, Devin White looks like he's put on like straight muscle i saw you tweet that but i didn't see that with him i thought he looked exactly the same he was, I, he was like 240 I, last year i know but he and i i look i actually looked that up when i'm like holy crap how big is he and i looked up he's 240 i'm like damn i don't know how much bigger than 240 he is but for whatever reason he made a play and he was like stomping around celebrating with his teammates <laughs> so i'm like this dude is yoked so yeah he's definitely built there's no doubt so, about that maybe, you yeah. know um, he is, uh, he, he's explosive. Yeah, he's definitely explosive. So, I mean, in Delpit, I know he's not even draft eligible, but I had to mention him. He's so good, dude. Number nine. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. He's just, he's all over the field. He takes such great angles. He plays single high. He comes up and plays the run so well, you know, anything to the perimeter, he's coming in laying a hit, but he's so, such a great blitzer. He beat freaking, he beat Tyree St. Louis straight up on a pass rush. Not great for St. Louis. I know, but he like literally like stabbed and then ripped under him. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, he could just, I'm so excited for him to come out, but we didn't see much of greedy in this game. He was kind of in and out with cramping. Um, yeah. and he wasn't really tested that much either. Cause, uh, Mon wasn't even targeted. He, he was, he was actually in and out of the game a lot greedy. I, I wonder how many snaps he played because he was in and out a ton. And I, I don't, I think some of that was just rotation. Like they, they did it last year. Like he would come out for like full drives. I was like, why would you take your, like, can you just play the full game like this Old guy's strategy cotton going to be a top 10 pick like it's a little bit wild to me but anyway okay you also said uh to me before the show and i completely agree never schedule app state why would you and here's exactly you, to your point if you beat app state it means absolutely nothing for your nothing resume. nothing nothing if you lose the app state you're cooked everything it means ev- why would you just I, schedule Furman or one of these like do it like Clemson did you know just, like he's calling out Furman right there just pick the school schedule some, one of these 
one of these little schools that has no chance, like this Charleston Southern and Furman and Austin PA or whatever who Georgia's playing, or Oregon State, one of these schools. App State legit has their App State's entire legacy is that Michigan game. Back yeah. in when was it? Two thousand. But they've always been competitive. Like, but no, no. But I'm saying, like, them beating Michigan, like that is their legacy now. I right. three. What was it? Three, two, two, three years ago, they almost beat Tennessee, and Tennessee yeah. that like that was supposed to be Tennessee's year, and right. they they nearly well, did. They beat them. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think they beat them. Did they? I don't think so. They now beat have, Miami a uh, tough time. I think too. They're. I'm telling you what, man. It's just dumb. There's nothing no, good. No, Tennessee won in overtime. Okay, Tennessee did. Tennessee won in overtime in that game. So that's why I, – and I, I will tweet this every year if I have to until the day that I die. Don't schedule App State. And not just it, App State, but any of these, you know, competitive, tough, well-coached play – like, just don't do it. Like, there's no if benefit. You're, if you're going to schedule somebody different, like out of the conference, obviously, for your first game, either make it matter – to the playoff committee, like make a statement, right? Or cupcake, but go give in somebody between. give give somebody the million dollar beatdown. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Pay a school a million dollars, beat the crap out of them. Y'all go home, right? In between this, in between stuff, just doesn't work. Uh, actually, you said this to me earlier, and I completely agree with you. Shocked. There are how many good teams in college football right now? Like good teams, teams that can, will compete. For a playoff spot. Dude, every year there's only like five. <laughs> I completely agree. It's only like five teams. And Washington ain't one. And Miami ain't one. And Michigan ain't one. And Penn State I mean, ain't like, one. We, we truly don't even know who they are yet this year. But by the time the end... <laughs> By the time you well, then maybe. Yeah, that might be true. Um, but like by the time the, the, the playoff committee rolls around... now. I, Last year was obviously super unique because UCF was the way that they were. But, I mean, there's five or six teams that are good in college football. And the rest just don't. Just There's there's holes. They have holes. They all have holes. So, like, I don't know. There's I, I always look at that and I think that there's maybe five or six good teams in college football. And you can make a case for <laughs> all the other ones being trash in some way. Yeah, I mean... I think that's uh, the reality of what it is. Um, I think that uh, I think that th- it doesn't mean that the season can't have ups. And, like it doesn't mean it can't be competitive. It's not going to be fun to watch. It's going to be all those things. It's going to be great. But at the end of the day, like yeah, Alabama or Georgia or Clemson, Ohio State or Ohio State are probably winning the national championship game. Yep, that's it. I mean, that's just the reality. Like. It UCF will be a big upset if one of them doesn't win it. UCF might run the entire table again, by the way. Uh, yeah, I don't even know who the, who's on their schedule. Anybody tough? The, the, only, the only teams that are anywhere near competitive for them, I believe, are Memphis and USF. That's okay, it. Yeah, they're probably going to beat everybody. So they're about to go two straight years of being undefeated. They're about to get uh, rings again. Probably. You know, back to back, back to back, natty champs. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's certainly possible that they're getting the rings. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the field plays out. That'll be one fun storyline. Um, is how does the rest of the field play out? Uh, to see if they get an actual shot. You know, if somebody else has two losses or something like that. So, obviously, we're way away from ways away from talking about that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. There's only a certain number amount of good teams, but still fun every week. But it's just the reality at the end of the season. We're probably talking about five teams at most. 
It's just the way it goes. All right. There's some of our thoughts on week one in college football. We have tons more. Tons more to I know. I the feel like this podcast could have been like three hours long. Yeah, I know. It could have been. Uh, but we're going to just spread it out, the good stuff, all throughout the week and just continue to give you all taste. And we got NFL football coming up on Thursday. We got that stuff. So it's going to be a fun week, folks. Fun time of the year is best time of the year. We thank you guys for listening. Go over to iTunes. Give us a review and a rating. We always appreciate those. Uh, make sure you uh, follow the Draft Network on Twitter at Draft Network LLC and follow them on Instagram too, the Draft Network on Instagram. Always good. Uh, to boost up the followers there, we're going to be doing lots of live shows and live stuff uh, during the after the football game Saturday night. We'll have some stuff. We'll be on Twitter. We'll be on Instagram. We're doing some stuff there. Friday nights, we'll have some stuff in preview, and there'll probably be some games Fridays usually and uh, Sundays, you know, as the rookies play and stuff like that. We're going to have thoughts. We're just going to you know, come at you on all fronts. Uh, we think you guys love football and can't get enough of it, and we aim to give you as much as we possibly can. So until next time on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, keep it locked right here.